everybody up. Okay. Okay. Anthony, I'm ready. Anthony, I'm ready. Tick me up, tick me up a little higher. A little higher, a little higher, a little higher, higher, higher. A little more, a little more, a little more, a little more. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Testing one, two. Testing one, two. Okay, Father in heaven, thank you so much for this time to be together. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the great fellowship we're having. I just really pray that your spirit would be with us as we continue to worship you. We continue to honor you, Father. You are an amazing God, and we want to give you our hearts this morning. We want to trust you. We want to trust that you're working in our lives to better us, to make us more like Jesus, to really fulfill your promise in saving the entire world. And by the way, thank you for saving us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, everybody, I'm excited to be here. Um, thank you for allowing us to be together with the Shoreline Steaming Church. It's been an exciting time together. Uh, if you don't know, if you're visiting with us, we're really uh, combining two ministries into one. And so it got me to thinking about how we can react to that and how we can respond to, you know, merging. That video was awesome. It was high school people. It was high school kids. The older I get, the, the more I realize how un really uncool I've become. When you start hearing your favorite songs on K-Earth 101, that happened to me last week. I realized I'm no longer cool. Went to a wedding yesterday in Yucca Valley, and everyone in there was very, very awesome, hip, and cool. I was not. Although I thought I was, and there was my dilemma. Believe it or not, God uses circumstances to mature us, to mature you. And in that process, we're perfected through the, through the concept of perseverance. You know, I grew up in a household where my father was uh, the disciplinarian my mother tried to. She had four boys, pray for her. I mean, that was a rough situation. So she'd call to my father and she'd complain to my dad. If you're Latin, you may relate this. If you're not Latin, please forgive me. Our culture is strange at best. But when a father in the Latin community hears a report from the mother, doesn't get our side, he goes for the belt right there. Just, if, it's, if, he, if he attempts to unbuckle it, if he unbuckle it, the reality is something very bad is going to happen to me <laughs> or to my brothers. Now, we always watch his hand because if he went, didn't go for it, we know, okay, we're going to talk this out. We might, we might not get anything. He might just scold us. But whenever my dad went for the belt and he just notched it open, there was nothing you can do. No one could save us. The reality, that belt was coming off. And when it was coming off, there was just a moment of sheer terror because you couldn't change your reality. You couldn't talk your way out of it. You couldn't negotiate your way out of it. I tried. I fainted. I cried. I tried every tactic. Every tactic. The reality was, I was going to get it. And nothing could stop it. And, and knowing what I know now, back then, I didn't understand, that was part of a maturing process for my character. All what my dad did, because it's still with me today in many respects. 
There are certain things I don't do because of what the movement of a hand. <laughs> Memories. What do you do when there's nothing you can do? What do you do when there's nothing you can do? When it's just going to be that way and we end up in these circumstances. You know, sometimes we can feel jealous or resentful that somebody else is not going through a difficult time. Or they didn't bump into that situation. You know, one of the funniest things I remember was when I tell my friends, like, hey, how was this? They say, oh, I got whipped with it. Because I, I was in the illusion that everyone got hit with the belts. I mean, I was just, I just thought it was normal. I was like, yeah, my dad really got me last night. A couple welts, you know, it's rough. And then my, my friend goes, what? I, we just, I got in trouble, but I just didn't get dessert. I'm like, dessert? <laughs> That's it? I got sent to your room? It's like, what? I got to educate my immigrant father. This is America. <laughs> I mean, there was some funny, hilarious moments that I realized, man, that's strange. And we can, we can really think about our, our, the challenges that we run into. And we have choices when we're, when we're confronted or we bump into situations. We can run. We can abandon. I'm older now. I can quit. I can give up. I can give in. And sometimes when we're in situations that are very difficult, we start thinking that, well, I'll never be happy again. Nothing good can come from this. Or there's no point in continuing. So my, that's really the idea of my lesson this morning. It's just to help us understand, believe it or not, God is working to mature you. He really is. So... There's this author in the New Testament. His name is James. So if you might mind turning there, the book of James, or I'm going to put it on the slide for us. Really, really great book. It's a really great testimony to really help us understand how do we deal with unresolvable tension in life. And there's some specific things we are to believe, and there's something that is difficult to believe. When we look at this passage, you know, James is an interesting man in the Bible. He's the brother of Jesus. When Jesus came, it was before he started his ministry, they were kind of egging him on. Hey, you should go there and start your ministry. They didn't believe that he was the Messiah. He was the, he was the one. And then you know, his mom came to Jesus. Hey, stop doing what you're doing. You're acting a little crazy. He, they were there. Yeah, you're acting, you know, they were, they were, they were endorsing it. You're acting a little crazy. And then when Jesus dies on the cross, you know who's not there or it's not recorded that he's there? His brother James. He's not, and the, and the, the record shows that he wasn't there. Makes me wonder that's why Jesus gave his mother over to John, who was there. Because the brother wasn't there. Because he didn't believe. And then we find James later, and after Jesus resurrected, 40 days hanging out, then we see him in the room praying with his mom and his brothers. They started to believe. Whenever your younger brother writes a good book about your older brother, that's a good thing. And so here James becomes one of the great leaders in the Jerusalem church, though he didn't start off that way. And so he writes a letter to all of us, back then to us, to help us understand, believe it or not, 
God is working to mature us. He writes, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus. Calling your brother the Lord is a pretty big step, a pretty good proof that he is who he is. To the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. He says, hello. And then he writes this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Whenever you face trials of many kinds. You know, that word face, in the Greek, it, it really is, you, it's an unexpected bump. You bumped into something. You weren't expecting it. It surprised you. You're like, whoa, whoa. I just got my coffee and it's 8 a.m. at work and what's going on? You, you, you bumped into something that becomes a trial of many kinds. Bumping, falling into, unexpected. You know, my reaction when I, when I bump into that is always usually not very spiritual. And so this letter is really the admonishment for all of us because our sinful nature just takes over when something surprises us. I get emotional. Like, I'm not going to look. And my spiritual senses tend to go down and my emotions tend to go up. That's just me. You know, when you're mad at your kids, you say crazy things. You go to your room for two weeks, you know. No more computers for a month. I have to do homework. Okay, after school, after your homework, you know, you start just saying crazy things. Because you're not responding to this trial that's in front of you. And he says this because he goes, you know, as if the audience knew this, you know this. The testing of your faith produces perseverance. What he's saying is that trials test our confidence in God. Trials increase our capacity to hold out to bear up to when difficulty bumps into us. It increases. When we're surprised, when we feel it's not deserved, when it's unavoidable, those aren't aberrations. He says they're to be expected. They're to be expected. Today when you leave here, don't be shocked that you might bump into a trial. Unexpectedly after church, yes, after this great spiritual time, bump, there could be one. You see, for men and women of faith, these trials can serve as a beneficial purpose if you will allow it to. Now, James says, take a deep breath, not literally, but he's trying to say, hey, and be glad. Why? Because... There's something good on the other end of your trial. There's something good. Is it worth the pain? Well, that's to be determined. You see, God can redeem us. He can use us. He can work through the undeserved, unavoidable, circumstantial trials in our life. That's where God focuses his activity. Because God values persevering faith. It's the kind of faith that God honors the most, to be frank. You know, when, when, the, when Jesus was with his disciples, he's always asking, why did you doubt? You have so little faith. Say, hey, guys, you're with me. I, can, I, I make the waves obey. 
Why are you doubting me? Remember Peter walked on water, the waves came, and then he doubted. He's with the Lord, he's walking on water, and then he doubted. And then James commands something. He gives us an imperative. He says, hey, this testing of your faith produces perseverance. And then he says, let perseverance finish its work. He says, don't run. Don't walk away. Don't quit. If you do, you'll miss God. The place of unresolvable tension is a primary place where God does his work. It's like going to go to the gym. It's like the, it's like the gym, gymna, gymnasium for our faith. That's where he does his work. And the tension in your life, it can be the focal point of where God's really working. But we have to choose to trust. And we have to choose to persevere. Let perseverance finish its work. Then he says this. So that you may be mature. Mature. And complete. Not lacking anything. You know that word complete? Is the meeting of expectations with integrity. I can face this trial without sacrificing my moral compass. I can overcome and still keep my spirituality. Yes, yeah, difficult. But it's going to make me complete, whole, not lacking, not deficient, not coming up short. But again, these trials are expected and expected, and they increase our capacity to have persevering faith. That's why sometimes we know when we're not close to God, we get overwhelmed with trials because we lose the sense of why we're going through them. We lose that. And we have this thinking like, oh, I, I should run away. I don't need this. This is too much of my time. This is not worth it. And then we, and we, we, ah, we talk ourselves into separating ourselves. We just do that all. That's just our natural bent. So James said, no, 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 no. They're actually good for your faith. In fact, that's the best kind of faith is to have persevering faith. It's the best kind. When the Son of Man comes back, he says, I hope I will find faith on earth. That's what he says. Let perseverance complete its work so that you will be complete as well. And throughout the New Testament, it's persevering faith, not perfect behavior. It's bulletproof faith, not Bible knowledge. That's what we want. When he comes back, will he find faith on earth? Will he? That's what he's looking for. That persevering, never give up, never quit, never walk away, never abandon you. Faith. No matter how many trials are in my way. And there's going to be a lot. And so he says this. Okay, you know there's going to be a lot. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. See, James recognized this is difficult. 
But I don't know about you. In times of tension, I don't want wisdom. I want relief. <laughs> Make it go away. Stop. Stop that person. Stop them. This is too much. I don't want wisdom. Take your wisdom and go to the bank. I want this to stop now. That's what I want. That's exactly what I want. Keep your wisdom. But see, that, that's just my immaturity. I don't want to deal with what's in front of me. So I need wisdom because it's going to keep happening. So if any of us lack wisdom, we need to ask God who gives generously. Some of you guys are like, I don't want wisdom. I want to survive. Yeah, I know. I relate to that. But James says, ask for wisdom. Here's what wisdom is. The ability to see current circumstances with a broader context. It's that ability to see your current circumstance within a broader context. That's what it means. And every parent should know this, right? We, we see this all the time, right? When our kids, they think the world's coming to an end. Because there's something unresolvable. There's been a break in one of their friendships at school or in church. A friend issue. Jimmy doesn't like Sally anymore. Whatever. Something that they're not allowed to wear. Oh my gosh, the world's coming to an end. You can't wear the spaghetti strap. No, no, no. We've been through this. And we see them being tempted to do something we know that they will regret. We see it, they're going, oh, they're tempted to do something that's not good. And in order to relieve the tension, they want to quit, drop out. They want to compromise, give in. And we think to ourselves, if you can only see it from a 45-year-old's perspective, you would truly understand wisdom I'm trying to impart in you. I mean, we do this all the time with our kids. Why can't I have Skittles for dinner? Because you will be a sugar addict and die, you know? We're like, no, no, you can't have sugar. You know? We're trying to always, no, why now? Why not now? We're always trying to help. If you only had my perspective, you would make such wise decisions. We interact with our kids like that almost every day. And God is telling this 45-year-old the same thing. If you just back up and see it, what I'm trying to do. If you see it from my perspective, you, don't, you won't want to quit. You won't want to run. You won't want to abandon. God does it to us. And he lets us see it in our own children because we want them to have this wisdom. But God goes, I want to give you wisdom too. Yes, if, you know what, if you're 45, I just said 45 because I'm turning 45 this December. You could be 60, you could be older, you could be more mature, seasoned, gray hair, wisdom, splendor, all that good stuff. It still applies. And this is how our Heavenly Father sees our lives. If we will ask God for the ability to see as He sees, you will find the perspective you need to persevere. But he says, you got to ask. And he says, hey, he doesn't matter where you're at. He'll give it to you without finding fault. I love that. There's no like, if, you're, if you read your Bible four times this week, I'll give it to you. 
He does it without finding any fault. We, we find the faults, but God doesn't find the faults in us. He says, hey, you know what? I love you. You're awesome. I want to help you. I'll give you something great without criticizing you. Isn't that cool? And so he also says this. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. And he says, why? Because the one who doubts is like the wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. You know, this is James, Jesus' brother. So he had access to a lot of stories. I just wonder if he's talking about Peter <laughs> on the water. I just wonder. Is he, is he Peter, you're my, you're my letter. He, he knew the story. He, he has access to all these accounts. He's going, I wonder if he's referring. I wonder if he got to see it firsthand. Go, you know, I heard the story that Peter was on the water. He's on the water with Jesus, with the Lord himself. He's walking on water. And then he sees the waves getting bigger. And then he doubts. And then he starts to sink. Circumstances cause us to doubt. Because we ask ourselves, is there a purpose to it? Is there hope? Is it worth staying? I mean, that's the kind of questions you're asking if we're coming together. Is it worth it? Is there hope? Is there a purpose? Yes. I just ask that you look at it from a bigger context. God is doing something wonderful. You know, I just can't, I, I can preach it to you all day. God's awesome. And, but you won't believe it until you ask God. Until you seek wisdom. Until you say, hey, I want to tap into this. That's when you start to realize what God is doing. And he says, look, don't doubt, because if you do, that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Not because God is mad. You know, when I read that going, oh, he gets so mad, I'm, I'm going to withhold it, because that's how I was treated. You know, no, no, no. my mom would do that. You know what? I'll just take it from you. Like, no, mama. That's not how God handles us. We think that God handles us like our parents handled us. He's not doing, he's, he's not because he's mad. That's not why. But because we're taking our eyes off the situation, the broader context. That's why. Because you can't see the big picture. You can't, you won't get it because you won't see it. That's who he's referring to. He's not trying to punish you. He's just saying you, you can't look beyond your current reality to a broader context of your life. And so what, what happens is, is that doubt fastens you down into the here and now. And all you can see is this. That's what he's saying. Don't expect to see the big picture when you're stuck here. You have to believe and not doubt. And then he says something like this. Such a person, right, is double-minded and unstable in all they do, right? You can take that like, well, that's pretty offensive. He's saying that, that th those words mean they're always hesitating. They're uncertain. They're restless. I'm not sure. I don't know how would I? He's just describing 
what we feel when we are still looking at our circumstances and not asking God and believing that there's a bigger context. We get uncertain. We get insecure. That's what he's saying. That's what happens to our, in our nature. We get insecure and we doubt. He's saying, don't doubt. I am working. Even if someone's screwing up, I'll still work. I'm God. Right? Hasn't he worked when, when dad or mom screwed up? God did it. That was amazing. Yes, God does it all the time in my house. Make a bad decision and turn around. God does something wonderful. Well, I just didn't plan that, but that was super awesome. We experience that at home. I want to encourage us to open our eyes to something a little bigger. So what do you do when there's nothing you can do? Well, believing that God is at work in you to mature you. Here's a little phrase for you. Endure to mature. Endure to mature. Enduring is good. When I was in school, I had to endure 8.30 to 2.30. I was like, 2.30, 2.30. Yes! Endured. My son comes home and he goes, Dad, we were in school for 6 hours and 25 minutes. I mean, to the minute. I'm like, way to endure, son. Way to get that. It's awesome. Dad, we get 2.457 hours of homework a night. I'm like, endure, son. You're doing great. The Christians that make you go, wow, like, whoa, you know their trial? You're going like, my gosh, that's an amazing response. Are the ones whose faith have been perfected through perseverance. There's a lot of wow Christians that we know. It's like, wow, they've been perfected through a process. Wow. When you get your health news and their response is so Spiritual. I'm going like, wow, I would have never reacted that way. I mean, there's people in our fellowship that face incredible trials, but face them with faith. Yeah. And I'm like, my goodness, I would have passed out just from the, the news. But they're persevering. Everybody will deal with the unexpected. Everyone's going to have to deal with the unresolvable tensions in life. And James says that God will use what he may not remove. There are some things that maybe God doesn't remove because in the broader context, he's doing something. That you have no idea, but he's perfecting your faith through the process. Because at the end of the day, to be a faithful Christian for 40, 50 years, there's got to be a process of growth. And that growth is trials. If we let it, if we allow it, if we accept it. And it's hard. I'm not saying this is easy. I'm just giving you the context that if we just take a step back and look at it from God's perspective, maybe that wisdom will help us. God brings purpose to pain if we cooperate. I don't like saying that, but it's true. I have to be cooperative. I am the worst sick person in my family. I act like I don't need anything, but if you don't pay attention to me, I start getting cranky. 
I get sick once a year, and I'll act like, no, 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 I don't need I, water. No, I need no water. I need nothing. I'm fine. I'm fine. Karen's starting to serve. Now, uh, the moment she goes downstairs for a couple hours and forgets about I'm like, hey, where you been? What's going on? I'm sick over here. I'm dying. I could have died. You wonder where I get that from? I call my mother once a month. Okay, if I forget, you know, I usually call every other week, but I forget. So, one day, your mom says, it's not hello. I could be dead. I could be dead right now, and no one would know. <laughs> and once I put it on, I put it, say, honey, watch, it's been a month, watch, speaker. I could be dead. Me and your papa could be dead, and no one cares. No one loves us. <laughs> That's where I get it from. And a lot of my experience at home, it shipwrecks my faith, and that's how I react to God. I can be dead. I can be dead. You don't care. You don't love me. I can react the same way to God. Because that's how I saw it through my family. And James is saying, step back and look at it in a bigger way. Look at it through my eyes. Believe that God is at work in you to mature you. He is at work through perfecting you through perseverance. And he uses trials. Let's pray. I'm going to say one sentence in our prayer, or two sentences in our prayer. And I want us to think about this prayer as you leave here today, as we conclude our service. Because it's important that you leave here with your eyes open that God may do, be doing something bigger. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I believe you will use this trial in my life until you choose to remove this. Grant me the wisdom to see as you see and the strength to do as you say. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. This concludes our service. Thank you for coming. Amen. Have a great fellowship. Thank you. Really great.